Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. We are so glad you are joining us today. Here at Skyline, our mission is to engage people to the gospel, connect them to Christ, and empower them to serve. For more information, visit our website at skyline.church. We hope today's message helps you feel engaged, connected, and empowered. Good morning, church. I am excited to be here. I, I feel um, I feel great. I, I am happy to be here. Um, for those of you who are looking for Jeff, I'm not him. Um, I know some of you are like, oh, Jeff gained a little weight. No. Jeff is out uh, this week. He is preaching at our Bethalto campus. Uh, my name is Andy Hubbard. Uh, I'm one of the, the volunteers, one of our staff here. Uh, I look over our community groups, uh, and you're stuck with me here this morning. Um, but I am excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. Um, and I'm really looking forward to what I believe God has to say to us this morning. Um, one of the reasons I'm excited to be here is we are in the week, the couple days, leading up to my favorite holiday. I love Thanksgiving. It is my favorite. I love the food. I love the football. I love sitting around and chatting with my family. Uh, I, I love the afternoon nap. I love Thanksgiving leftovers a couple days after. All of it. I love it top to bottom. And uh, it seems like this year, all of you people who are early Christmas celebrators, like you haven't even started to hide. It was like, oh yeah, our Halloween decorations are going away and it's Christmas time. And I want you to know that you're ruining my holiday. <laughs> November is for Thanksgiving. You get all of December. I think we can agree you're being selfish. But I love Thanksgiving. My wife, on the other hand, not so much. Um, my wife kind of enjoys Thanksgiving, but she dreads it a little bit, specifically because of one of my family's, my parents' grandparents, their traditions. Um, when we sit down to Thanksgiving dinner, before anybody can eat, we all have to go around the table and say what we're thankful for. Those of you who know my wife, she doesn't like talking in public. And apparently the first year that she had Thanksgiving with my family, I was supposed to warn her. And I did not. And so it was time for her to share, and she, like, she had no idea what to say. And my family doesn't let anyone off the hook. Like, there is no, oh, you know, I don't know. Or even like, oh, I'm thankful for my family. Like, they want specific. They want philosophy. They want a little theology. And so my wife is, is just not a fan of that tradition. But I actually am. Um, I, I like Thanksgiving for all of those silly reasons I mentioned earlier. But in my life, it has been a blessing for me to be able to stop for a moment, to look back on my previous year, and to find places of gratitude in my heart. That that has been good for me. And so this morning, that's kind of what I want us to do together. I want us to take a moment this morning to look back on our lives, back at the last year, five years, ten, e even look back further, and find the places of gratitude in our hearts. And, and so my question for you is this, like, if you were to sit down with my family and have someone ask you, what are you thankful for, what are the kinds of things you would say? There are all kinds of things that we, we talk about, like family and friends and careers and houses, and those are all very good things. But what I want us to come away from this morning is the understanding of the, like, the big thing. 
the, the big, most important, prominent thing that we should be thankful for when we talk about our relationship with God. And the way that I want to do that this morning is by taking a look at, at a really great psalm. Um, so a little bit of context. Psalms uh, is this, this kind of middle book in the Bible in the Old Testament. Most of it was written by this man named David, who was the king of God's people at the time. This is before the coming of Jesus. And the book of Psalms is a collection of songs and prayers that are worshiping God, that are about the character of God, that are communicating with God. And it's kind of beautiful. Like, I've really, the last couple months, gotten really into the Psalms. Because for me, there is a Psalm that corresponds to each emotion, each situation that I'm in. There are happy Psalms, there are sad Psalms, there are joyful Psalms, there are worshiping Psalms, there are Psalms of repentance, and there are Psalms calling God to go and get my enemies. And so this morning, I want to look at very one specific psalm, Psalm 107, if you have your Bibles. And the purpose of this psalm is, is David looking back on his experiences and acknowledging the steadfast love of God and where it has shown up in his life. And he is looking back, thankfully, at the pursuing love of God. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. It'll also be on the screens. But in Psalm 107, it says this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God. They had spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He shatters the doors of bronze and He cuts in two the bars of irons. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He sent out His word and healed them, and He delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. 
They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works in the children of man. Let them extol Him in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. There are so many things we talk about thanking God for. Like, we thank Him for the beauty of His creation. We thank Him for the the great blessings that He's given us. I know a lot of you men the last two weeks have have praised and thanked Him for sunrises and coffee and white-tailed deer. But what I want us to, to see in this is that the big thing, the one thing that we need to remember in this season to be thankful for is this steadfast, pursuing, crazy love of God. So, when you're at your Thanksgiving dinner this week, and someone asks you, what are you thankful for? I want you to be able to say and understand what we're talking about here. And so as we look in the text, there are these four stories, these four repetitions, these four scenarios of these things that the steadfast love of God has done in our lives. That this love of God has changed everything about who we were and who we are and what we're about. And he's done that in four ways. And so we're going to break down these four stories, these four repetitions, four ideas. And hopefully you will understand by the end of this um, what this love of God has done in your life. And so the the first story, the first thing that happens is that this love brings us home. In verses 4 through 9, it says, Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. Story one is that the love of God pursued us when we were deserted and alone and empty. It is the human experience that we are all searching for something. Like there seems to be this hole in the center of us that we we really struggle to fill. And we fill it with all kinds of things. Like we, we seek this satisfaction in things like money and importance and power and influence and stuff and comfort and control. And we even seek the the satisfaction of our soul like in every relationship. Our spouses, our kids, our friends, our co-workers. And the thought is, well, if I could have this or if this relationship would change in this way or if these things would happen then that hole inside of me would be filled. I would be satisfied. I would be whole. And man, none of it works. 
like all of these things that we chase after to fill us either completely fail and leave us empty or they, they fulfill us for a time, but they are not complete. They're not whole. And, and like for me, I'll tell you my big thing. The big thing I chase is I like being the happy, funny, fun guy. Like, I, I want to have a good time. I want to make sure everyone around me is having a good time. And, and man, like, everything that we see is advertising that if you do these things, it'll fill you. And so the guys that I chase after is like, well, those guys have to have it figured out. Those guys should be full. We're guys like Chris Farley and Jim Carrey and Robin Williams. And man, I look at their lives, and those guys were miserable. Like, those guys are a mess. And I guarantee the person that you're looking at in your life that, that you're saying, well, this person must be full. I promise you they're not. Like what we're chasing after leaves us alone. It leaves us empty. And each and every one of us at one time or another, apart from the pursuing love of God, has found ourselves empty, alone, lost, unsatisfied, and hungry in our soul. But the steadfast love of God pursues us in those moments. He invites us into a relationship with Him. And it is the one relationship that satisfies. That when we, when we look at Scripture, at what happens when we turn away from our sin and we follow Jesus, there are all kinds of metaphors that are used. Things like, we are adopted into God's family. We are made heirs of his inheritance. He invites us into his presence. He brings us inside his wedding party. He makes us part of his kingdom and his people. That the, the love of God pursues and brings close that which is far away and is lost. And so each and every one of us, like I, I promise you, the thing you're chasing after apart from God is never going to satisfy. But the steadfast love of God not only satisfies our soul and fills us, it also takes us from being people who are alone, people who struggle to connect, and it gives us a people that, that God brings us into a city. He fills our souls and we are brought into this community of believers. And so like if, you are, if you're a believer and you are still feeling out there and alone, my, my cry is that this, that Skyline would love to be your people. We would love to be those people that love on you, that are the extension of God's love for you, and that we would love to come alongside you and, and be part of this connected um, people of God. But that the, the love of God gives us a people and satisfies our soul. So let us give thanks to God, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The second story we see is that God's love is the love that sets us free. In verses 10 through 16, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. 
So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death, and he burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze, and he cuts into the barns of iron. So the second story that we see is that the love of God has freed us when we were prisoners to our sin. There's there's an old uh, church leader, an old pastor, one of the great preachers in history. His name's Charles Spurgeon. And he used this story to illustrate the bondage of sin. He said, there was once a tyrant who summoned one of his subjects into his presence and ordered him to make a chain. The poor blacksmith, that was his occupation, had to go to work and forge the chain. When it was done, he brought it into the presence of the tyrant and was ordered to take it away and make it twice the length. He brought it again to the tyrant, and again he was ordered to double it. Again, back he came, and he, when he had obeyed the order, the tyrant looked at it and then commanded to the servants to bind the man hand and foot with the chain he had made and cast him into prison. Spurgeon continued with an application. That is what the devil does with men. He makes them forge their own chain and then binds them hand and foot with it and casts them into outer darkness. So often, for all of us, believers, non-believers, church people, people out in culture, we have this mistaken view of sin that we see our sin as an avenue of freedom, right? We see God as this kind of vindictive and oppressive parent with these outdated and old and unnecessary rules. And we see the rebellion against God as being the avenue to a little bit of freedom, a little bit of fun, and this avenue of us being able to express ourselves. And what we often find when we go down that road, is that the opposite is true. That so often for us, sin is not freeing, it is binding. That sin does not ultimately lead with our happiness and and our freedom, but it ends us with us in chains. And, And for some of us this morning, like you may have come in here and you are bound. You are in a spot that you never wanted to be you have something that you, like, you know. You know what you're doing is not good for you, is not right, is not healthy. But you can't seem to get away from it. And that is what sin does to all of us, that sin will always leave us in chains. And not just leave us in chains, but leave us in change where we are set against. We have been made the enemies of God. And we are compelled to sin until we cry out to God and He delivers us from our distress. That that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, there was a time in which we cried out to God. We acknowledged our sin and we handed it over to Jesus. And He took that sin from us and He broke our chains, that he changed our lives forever. 
And so if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you are no longer bound to your sin. That, that is a huge blessing. Now, does that mean you're going to be perfect? No. You are still going to struggle. You are still going to fail. But you are no longer in bondage, in prison to sin. You have been set free. Let us give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The third story we see is that this love makes us whole. In verses 17 through 22, some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and he delivered them from their destruction let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy. The third story, the love of God healed us when we were broken. I once was at a conference and I heard a pastor say that the sin in our lives is a lot like having a trained tiger on a chain. Like every couple years we hear this story that like there's a, there's a zookeeper or someone in the circus or someone who trains animals and they had this tiger that they got when it was a little cub and he fed it and he trained it from the day it was born and, and this tiger and he went everywhere together until one day the tiger turned and ate him, right? That, that this is what sin in our life is like, that we think we have it under control we think that we're in charge and that we have this, you know, this in our power until one day it turns and it gets the hooks in and it breaks everything about us. Like some of us are just, our lives are a mess. We experience brokenness, both spiritual and physical, and we don't know what to do, that our sin has left just this whirlwind in our life and at the end, we know that like, we are responsible, uh, especially spiritually. Like In Ephesians chapter 2, the author Paul says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among who we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This, this idea that for those of you who are followers of Jesus, at one point in your life, you were dead spiritually. You could not respond to God because you had dead ears. You could not feel the movements of God because you had dead hearts. You could not see God move in your life because you had dead eyes. That you were spiritually dead, and not only that, you were spiritually dead and were doomed to suffer the wrath of God. But immediately after this text, I, I, didn't, I didn't copy the rest of it, immediately after this text, the next two words are, but God. 
that we were spiritually dead. We were spiritually dominated by sin. We are spiritually broken and a mess. And spiritually, we are set against God, and we are set to suffer His justice and His wrath. But God loved. God pursued. God gave us mercy and grace. And God changed our lives, and He healed our broken souls. There's a, there's a song by the band Crowder, and I love it. It's, it's a beautifully written song, and it's called All We Sinners. And I want to share some of the lyrics with you because it is a beautifully succinct version of this love that has so affected our broken lives. I want to share this with you. It says, In muck and mire, our wretched souls had fallen to the depths below. Hell deserved, but there was hope. All we sinners sang. What could ever pay the cost? On Calvary's hill there rose a cross. And could it be that evil lost? All we sinners sang. A crimson river like a flood came washing over all of us. It swallowed sin and death right up. And all we sinners sang. Saved, we are saved. The gates of heaven wide open. Saved, we are saved. The keys to the grave have been stolen. Christian, the, the blessing of God in the form of His steadfast love has done more in your soul than you can ever possibly understand. That for each and every one of us, God has taken us from His enemy to His family. He has brought us into Himself and He has healed the broken parts of our spirit. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we are always going to be freed and healed from the consequences of our sin. Like some of us may have come in here and are dealing with actual physical consequences of sin. That, that we, we lived sinfully and now you know, we, we drank too much and have liver failure. We smoked too much and have lung cancer. We, we lived broken and now have broken families. And, and for some of us, as we cry out to God, there is actual physical real healing. And some of us are still going to have to live through and fight through that. But what we have more than anything is hope. That, that when we cry out to God in our distress, in these moments of brokenness and affliction, He gives us hope that He has made our spirit alive, that He has forgiven our sins, and that ultimately one day He will remove this brokenness, this affliction, and this mess of our lives, and we will live with Him completely separated from any stain or hint of sin. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The fourth story that we see, this last story that the, that the love of God pursues and delivers us from, is this love rescues us from trouble. In verses 23 through 32, it says, Some went down into the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. 
they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he, made, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Story four is that the steadfast love of God rescues us when we are in trouble. When was the last storm that, that you had in your life? I, I don't know where you're coming in this morning. Some of you may have come in this morning in sunny skies, and, and some of you may have come in this morning in the middle of a hurricane. That I don't in this want to devalue that some of us are living through a lot of hardship. Um, it, is the, it is the rhythm of life that we are constantly in and out of storms in our life. And so if you're in the middle of a storm, I understand, like those moments are hard, they don't make sense, that God feels far away, it feels like he's not listening, and as we work through those times in our lives, like we are at our wits end, we stagger and reel and fall. But I can tell you this with absolute certainty. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you to deal with this on your own. That God in the midst of these storms is with you and will guide you and will help you walk through those moments. And in those moments, we can call out to God and He delivers us from our trouble. And one of the things, as we, as we look deeply in this text, don't miss the actual words here. Like, I love in, in movies and books, I love the, the use of foreshadowing. Some authors do it really well, and some authors do it really badly. Um, but I love in a story where, like, at the beginning, or kind of, you know, somewhere in the middle, you hear a character say something really specific, and it seems meaningless. And you get to the end, and you realize that what that character said had huge implications on the plot of the story, Right? And as you consistently read, specifically the Old Testament, you find this. Nobody foreshadows in a story like God does. I don't want you to miss that in this text, you see that it is God who hushes the waves. That only God can make the storm be still. Does that sound like anyone you know? In the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35, it starts and says this, On that day when evening had come, he, meaning Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, 
be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and sea obey him? This psalm was written roughly about a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. And it is clear that it is a a clear picture of him. That we should not miss. That it is the same God who delivers us from the storm. It is the same God who died for our sins. That in those moments we can take solace in the fact that God did not abandon us when it was time to sacrifice His Son on the cross for our sins, and He will not abandon us when we live through storms. Like, I'll be, I'll be full honest. The last couple of years have had their fair share of storms in my life. And I would love to be able to stand up here and tell you that immediately in those moments, I was able to turn and run to God for comfort and for strength and for deliverance. But sometimes it took me a while to get there, right? I I complained a lot, and I wept, and I felt like God was far away, and I struggled to understand what was happening in those moments. But as I look back, like as I stand here this morning, as I sit down at my Thanksgiving table this week, and I look back on the storms of the past year, I can see with absolute clarity that Jesus was with me in those moments and that he ultimately delivered me from my distress. And for some of you, again, I don't want to devalue that you're going through some really hard stuff. Like, like as I have conversations about faith, about Jesus with people, one of the big questions that always comes up is like, what do you do with the, the devout Christian who is terminally ill or, or who struggles in that way? And, and some of you are dealing with that. Like some of you are dealing with illness, with brokenness, with death. And I want you to hear this answer because it's important, but I also don't want you to think that I'm being cavalier and not understanding how you're feeling. Those moments are hard. But what we see in those moments is that when a believer lives through a storm that ultimately ends in their death, that does not mean that they lost. It does not mean that God didn't answer their prayer. It does not mean that God abandoned them or left them alone. Ultimately, what it means for us is that Jesus delivered us from our distress, just maybe not in the way that we were hoping that I know that there will come a time in my life where I will live through a storm that will ultimately end with the end of my earthly life. And that moment is going to suck. That moment's going to be really hard. But I also know that in that moment, Jesus will ultimately deliver me from my distress. He will bring me into himself. He He will free me from the bonds and stain of sin, he will heal my broken body, and I will get to live an eternity with him. And so we know that in the midst of these storms, God walks with us, God guides us, 
And we never work through these storms alone. And He will heal our distress. Let us give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So then, as we sit around our Thanksgiving tables this week, I want us to not forget the steadfast love of God. That each and every one of us came in here this morning, and maybe one of these four stories, these four scenarios really resonates with you. That you may be in here this morning, and you may be unsatisfied and alone. Cry out to Jesus. He will heal your satisfy you, and he will bring you into his people. If you're here this morning, and man, you are chained to your sin. You have not repented of your sin and turned to Jesus. Cry out to him. He frees those who are in prison, and he will bring you to himself. He will forgive your sin, and he will give you righteousness. Some of you are in here, and man, your lives are a mess. The sin in your life has broken every part of it. Cry out to Jesus. He will heal your spirit. He will deliver you from your distress. And some of you are in here this morning, and man, the winds are howling. The rain is beating down. You are walking through a storm. Cry out to Jesus, and he will give you hope. He will give you understanding and comfort, and he will deliver you. And then let us not forget the very beginning of this psalm is calling for us to give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Let the redeemed say so. His steadfast love endures forever. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to give thanks to the Lord. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to give. We're going to walk out those doors, and we're going to live a week where we celebrate Thanksgiving. And we have an opportunity to sit in front of our family, our friends, and maybe people who are not here this morning, maybe people who are far from God. And my hope is this, that you can sit at that table and you can sit in your your offices this week, in your jobs, you can sit with your friends and you can clearly tell them, I am thankful for the steadfast love of God. Give thanks to the Lord steadfast love endures forever. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. Jesus, your love has pursued us when we were far from you. It has healed us when we were broken. It has set us free when we were in prison. And it sees us through the storm. Jesus, we cannot be grateful and thankful enough to to satisfy what you've done for us. Jesus, you are worthy of all the glory and all the praise and all the worship that we have to offer and more. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. Don't forget to take a second to subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date with the newest messages from Skyline Church. If you'd like to explore more resources or donate to any of our missions, please visit our website at skyline.church. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review. Not only does it help us stay connected to you, but also helps others find this podcast. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.